0: coming at you with another podcast, which I know you have all been waiting for with bated breath. Our first order of business today is to wish Sarah a belated happy birthday. Her birthday was a few days ago, and she's really mad at me for mentioning that. I am. I'm giving her like the serious (laughs) stink eye right now. And our (laughs) second order of business, which is not second in importance, of course, is to introduce our very special guest today. She is... One of our favorite authors. And one of our
1: favorite people. Yes. Yay! Yay!
0: Woo! (laughs) She is the author of Live Through This, which came out in October of 2012, and of Free Fall, which came out in October of 2010. And Free Fall is one of those books that is responsible for helping me get back into reading again a couple years and ago. And
1: one of the reasons we're friends. Yes,
0: and it's also one of the, yeah, Mindy Scott is our special guest. She's that author, and she is also to blame for Sarah and me being friends. We have decided. <laughs> Hello. So welcome, that, Mindy.
2: That is, like my favorite intro, like, that you guys, you started reading again and became friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Freefall
0: is a really special book, I guess. <laughs> It is to me. <laughs> yeah. It it's is also the me. first book that I think that I wrote a review for on Goodreads. And I, I think re- it
1: was, actually.
0: Yeah, because yeah. it was, like, the first book where I felt so strongly about it that I had to write about it. That's what it did to me.
1: Oh. Well, I, I'd love to hear
0: that. <laughs>
1: yeah, actually, I got, like, really annoyed by the, like, Galley Cat, like, YA, like, Best of YA nominations. That year, because like none of the books that I'd read were on that list. Oh. And so I was like, this list is
2: not complete without Freakfall." And then they added it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember that too. And I was I know,
1: like, and I remember you like t- tracking me down on Twitter. <laughs>
0: Like, who, who is
2: this who Sarah Moon and how awesome is she? Yeah.
0: Oh, Mindy also has the dubious honor of being the person, the author that we like so much that we stalked her on the internet and made her become friends with us. <laughs> and we were remarkably successful. Um, it's not something I recommend doing to every yeah, author out there, but it worked creepy. for us in this instance. <laughs>
2: See, but the thing is that um, I had not been on Goodreads in a long, long time. And then one day I was like, oh, I'll go on Goodreads. And I'm like, oh, a new five-star review of Ball Who wrote this? And that was Laura. And so even though I wasn't like, I don't know if i call it stalking, but I still, like, <laughs> you know, you guys were like two girls that I was really fond of.
0: Because <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so today, basically, full disclosure, Mindy
1: is a friend of ours. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess
0: that's... Yeah. And,
2: like, oh, go ahead, Mindy. Oh, I see. And I'm very glad to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So today, Mindy is here to talk about with us uh, the topic that we have termed personal agency. Uh, that have a lot of different meanings I think but I think when you're a teenager you kind of, well it applies to adults too. Yeah, because some
1: of the stuff on my list is actually on. Yeah,
0: which is totally cool because I know a lot of adults who could use some assistance with personal (laughs) agency also. (laughs) But it's kind of about figuring out your responsibility to yourself and what you can control and what you can't and how you deal with that and I think that's a really important topic in my own personal life, and it has been for a long time. I don't know about you two, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I mean,
1: when I... You know, I my background in college and grad school is in women's studies, and that was a... You know, in an academic perspective, that was something we talked about a lot, is uh-huh. the idea of, like, personal agency and... um that a lot of times when people have conversations about feminism and, like, women's lives improving, mm-hmm. like, you can't have that conversation without discussing personal agency and women becoming empowered to exercise that personal agency. Right. So, like, I tend to think of the, the terminology and those in that sense, mm-hmm. Um just because that's where my brain goes and that's what my background is. Um But it's interesting because it's also something, like, I think almost gets – Uh, sort of almost forgotten or dismissed because there's almost a social conditioning to not consider, because exercising one's personal agency is often viewed upon as, viewed as selfish.
0: Right. And
1: so there's a lot of interesting sort of, like, stuff to unravel in my mind around that
0: topic. Yeah, I think so, too. to
1: nerd, to nerd out. Like...
2: It's not so unlikely? Let me go
1: get my old <laughs> feminist philosophy textbooks and read them aloud to you. It'll be very riveting for everyone, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna step aside a little or continue. Yeah, well <laughs> So one of my favorite books that has to do with personal agency is Mindy's book Free Fall, because uh in this book we're dealing with Seth. McCoy, who's one of my favorite characters in books in general. Um, And he has a lot of negative things going on in his life. His best friend has just died uh, and he feels responsible for it and his family is very poor. um, And it's kind of a struggle for him to think about his future and you know, what he's going to do. And he kind of has to learn how to take control of his life and kind of lead it in the direction that he wants it to go despite his external limitations. Um, And I really responded to that really strongly that's the kind of character that I really like to see so I mean Mindy it's your book so I don't know if you want to like negate anything I just said or like talk about it or elaborate on it Um, I mean
2: yeah I I think that um that was one of the things that I really liked um about writing Seth was that he did have all of these different obstacles and, you know, like the, the influence of his older brother and the people that he hung out with. And like, is this who he wanted to be? And that wasn't, you know, the direction that he really wanted to go. And so he had to make a lot of, I mean, they were small choices, but he had to make a lot of choices throughout the the course of the story in order to, you know, start being on a path of, becoming and doing the things that he wanted to do so
0: right and I think that's really important um like I had a friend in college and we kind of had like these categories for people and one of the ones that we had were the people called the poor me's who <laughs> were just very they're the kind of I mean I think everybody knows somebody like this in their life where uh, yes. they're the kind of person <laughs> who they just feel so weighed down by the obstacles in their life that they don't see that they do have some control to do things to make their lives a little bit better. Like, mm-hmm. it could be a small thing or it could be a big thing. Um, and so I really like in Free Fall that Seth does not allow his obstacles to limit him and also that he understands that maybe what's best for him is not in accordance with what other people want. Like, there's a big issue with his brother and the band that they were in together. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and but I think the thing with Free Fall
0: in particular that really stuck
1: with me is Seth at one point making a conscious decision. Yes. And definitely. So there's not this sort of magical where he just kind of starts doing things differently. He actually decides that things will change for him.
0: Yeah. And that's a
1: really like, that's like, that moment in that book was it was like,
0: you're like, yeah! It's <laughs> really
1: hard for him, but like, Way to go, Seth! Yeah, like, and that is just was such a sort of like quietly triumphant moment when you see yeah. him realize that he needs to do that for himself.
0: Yeah, Um. and I feel like that's something that I kind of had to do in my life, probably about a decade ago, maybe a little more. God, I'm old. Anyways. Um. <laughs> Uh, kind of back in my early 20s, I kind of feel like I was not in a good place in my life. And then I, I really just did consciously have to make these decisions to maybe cut certain people off and then, and be like, okay, these person's not good for me. And then I ended up taking a really big step in moving out to Portland from where I lived before, which was a conscious decision on my part to make my life better. So that was something that really resonated with me with Seth's character. Mm-hmm. So free well, free fall y'all. <laughs> I think it's,
2: it's interesting that you see that too, because when I was in my like early to mid twenties, um, I was working office jobs and um, I was an assistant manager at an office actually. And it was just, I wasn't happy. And I, I didn't know like what I could do differently. And my husband was like, well, what's something that you're good at? You've always been good at writing. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, that's something that you do when you're old is, um, you know, you retire from your job, you've been doing all these years, and then you write books. And, um, he was like, maybe you should try to do it when you're not old. (laughs) And so, yeah, so it's sort of just like this circular thing that, um, Scratch that, what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) Edit that, Sarah. (laughs) Um, But that, you know, I had to to decide to do something different. And so that was um, when I started writing books. And I think that I was able to use things that I was learning about myself um, with Seth, which then laura read and related to so see it's like this whole big circle (laughs) but
0: like sometimes i think that people feel really limited in their what their options are i think sometimes people feel really limited by external things in their lives they're just like i can't leave my job it has health insurance or like This isn't what my friends want me to do, and all my friends can't be wrong. Uh, Or this isn't what my parents want me to do. Like, I need to do what my parents want. Um, And I I think a lot of YA and new adulthood is... Yeah. And those those are very valid Those are very real things. Yeah. those are
1: not... um, Those are not... um, in any way, not real concerns. Right. Um, but they can also be debilitating concerns. Yeah. I, um I appreciate when books explore the nuance and the paths past
0: those barriers. Right. So those are the kind of characters that I like. And I think also Coley and Lives Through This was a character that yes. I think really embodied personal agency quite a lot with what she was going through.
1: So Mindy, do you want to tell us a little bit about Coley? Cause I think you can talk about her better than Laura and I yes. can.
2: Well, so Coley, um, she was obviously, as you just said, the narrator of "Live through this and, um, she's 15 going on 16 and she's just very normal, very normal family. Um, she's kind of popular at school. She's on a dance team. Um, She has a lot of friends, um, and what nobody at all knows about her is that she's actually been keeping a secret for a number of years, and that is that she is being sexually abused by someone who is close to her. And this story, um, I think, you know, one thing that we learn about um, as writers in writing class, what we want to build our characters around is the idea of a character who wants something very badly. And the more they want something and the more obstacles they have, like the more satisfying their story is. And that isn't really the question that I ask myself when I'm building my characters. Mine is more, what can this character not do that they want to be able to do? And so with Coley, the the question was, um, or the answer to that question, was that um, Coley cannot tell the truth. And another piece of it is that she can't see the truth because she can't see that what's happening to her is abuse or that it isn't her fault. But also about telling the truth is, um, you know, that she's just keeping everything that's happening to her from everyone. Including herself a lot of the time. So the whole goal that my my aim with my characters is always that, you know, the, the character that you meet on page one is so different from how they end up on the last page, that the, the character on the first page could not do what the character was able to do on the last page. And so that's um uh <laughs> <laughs> No I Sorry, you you
1: blew my mind a little bit. I know, me too. We were just sitting here staring staring into space pondering that. We were just
0: like, oh my god, I never thought of that before, ever. (laughs) I know, but it's, like, mind blown. (laughs) Yay, smart Mindy!
2: (laughs) Uh, But would you edit it so that it sounds smart, or do
0: I need to say it all over again? (laughs) No, no, I think it's fine. No, that's really... That is... And I think that's felt a really like, amazing way of looking at a character's journey in a book. And that's also what, like, sort of the, like, quote-unquote quieter books, uh-huh. like that, that
1: don't have a lot of, like, really big external conflict. Right. That's, yes, that's, that's exactly
2: the thing, is that that makes the things, they're, they're quieter, but what, what is happening is how much the characters have changed, even if it's in some subtle way. There's a thing that they absolutely could not do when the book started, that you get to see them be able to do. And so that's. And
1: for people, that's telling the truth.
2: Right. But... Yes, yes. And with Seth, it was. Um, and sometimes I don't know as I'm writing it, like what I'm actually trying to accomplish. But what I realized as I was writing Free Fall with Seth, it was that he couldn't forgive himself. And so that's really like oh. the, the moment that. I'm building to, um, you might remember at the party that he goes to near the end where mm-hmm. yeah. he's, he's looking for someone and finds something else. And there's that moment with the, I'm, I'm being so vague <laughs> with the guy that he can't stand, um, where he, he makes a, a choice that, um, it, it's not a big deal. It's, it's a little thing that he does. But it, it is a
0: big deal though. That's a, thing that I, really stands out for me when I think about that book is that moment at the what that exact moment that you're talking yeah. about that yeah. is a really important
2: but it's like it's important to him and to show how he could do this now he he wouldn't have done that like if you'd seen you know Seth on page one would not have done that would not have thought to do no. that wouldn't have wanted to do that and that he now could do that like I used to reread it you know like when I had to edit it and every time I read that part like I might I get all teared up like oh I'm so proud of him oh. <laughs> he well,
0: <could> do it. <laughs> I think that applies to the whole thing with forgiving yourself it really applies Spoiler. to Rosetta as well um that kind of theme about having to forgive yourself mm-hmm. quite a lot um because she, She's kind of having to deal with something really devastating that's happened to her that she blames herself for. And she's not quite able to totally overcome all of that. But, and that's okay. Like, you kind of see her working towards it. Like, I still felt really rewarded by her character and how she was able to deal with things in her life, too. Yeah. She'll get
1: there, but on a different timeline. Yeah. That's that was mm-hmm. sort of the way I was left feeling with Rosetta is that it wasn't quite, mm-hmm. she wasn't quite at that point and that was okay. Mm-hmm. She, she was getting there.
2: Well, and the thing about that is that it was, it was so hard for me as a writer to not be able to put her there because, you know, you want to be able to wrap it up and it's like, yay, everybody got what they wanted. And, um, and it just, it just wasn't real. It just wasn't, it wasn't honest to her experience Mm -hmm. to be able to put her on the same timeline as Seth, who's dealing with something similar, but totally different. And, and, you know, he's the protagonist, this is his story and how he overcomes and so to try to force her into his same timeline would—I just you know—I just would not have
1: been fair to her. But.
2: No, so I just I wouldn't do it. I just decided like I tried so many different ways. How can I do this to make it you know? And it just—it wasn't—it wasn't meant to be. And I'm really happy with how I did it. I know that there were there were some readers who felt cheated that they didn't get to see everything with Rosetta that they wanted to see, but. I just felt like it was it was the most honest for what she would have gone through, and um, I think it would have been irresponsible for me to choose something different. Honestly, that's how I've always felt about it. So
0: yeah, <laughs> well, I wasn't mad at you. So I was, right?
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, the people that get it, they always seem to really get it, and so I appreciate that. Like, you know, when you, when someone can understand and feel the way that I felt about it when I was was creating it and why I did it, to that you understand it.
1: So you had mentioned along this topic a uh, book that I haven't read, which is Carolyn Mackler's Gaia-Holic, mm-hmm. which is the companion novel to Vegan Virgin Valentine, which I also haven't read. <laughs> but it's, been, it's a book that I meant to Read for a whole. I haven't time. read. Yeah, I haven't um,
0: read either one. That title cracks me up, though. It's
1: simply well, and honestly, like I always like when a character is like a vegetarian. I'm always really interested in this <laughs> book <laughs> because I'm always interested in how it's portrayed. And a lot of times, I get really mad because I'm like,
2: "You're clearly not a vegetarian who wrote this." Like, <laughs> you, know, I think, with Vegan Virgins Valentine, you might feel the same way. Um, that. The, the veganism is sort of presented as um something to overcome in a way <laughs> so oh. um, it's it's i think it works for the character i'm a vegetarian too and i i wasn't offended by it but i could definitely say that it's it's not um it's not really about being the vegetarian or vegan <laughs> like it's, it's definitely used as a a metaphor. it's always like a plot, like
1: a, I don't know, like a plot point that interests me, because I'm like always curious how it's handled. Sometimes yeah. it's handled really well, and sometimes it's not. And
2: it was, It's more like, so, in Vegan Virgin Valentine, which is, I guess, this is a, sl- a slight divergence, but just to say that um, okay. it's just background for the next book I was going to talk about is that the narrator for this one, her name is Mara, in vegan virgin valentine and the vegan part it's sort of that she's this type a personality and there's things that are out of her control and so becoming vegan is part of something that she can control um you know that she gets to choose only you know what she's eating and things like that so it's not as an eating disorder that's how it just sounded like as i was describing
1: but that's actually not an (laughs) uncommon thing for teenage girls in particular like Right. That's Yeah.
2: True. So but what I was going to say about Gaia Holick, um, so it's the companion novel from the point of view of her niece. And so what ends up happening in the first book is that the the niece so the I'm rambling. I'm gonna start that part over again. <laughs> <laughs> You're not rambling. <laughs> okay. So okay. So in Vegan Virgin Valentine Mara, um, her niece goes by the name V, who also she has the last name Valentine as well. And V comes to live with her. Uh, Mara has an older sister who was a teenager when she had her daughter V, and then she, the sister just dumps V off with with Mara and her parents. Oh God! And um, goes off, you know, searching out some guy and some new adventure, which is how she's basically lived her whole life—is following a guy and a new adventure. But this time she leaves her daughter behind. And so um, Gaia-Holic picks up after, you know, Mara had to deal with her own type A issues. And V was something of an antagonist throughout the story. She's totally different from Mara. She's rebellious, kind of, you know, has an attitude promiscuous, um, uses drugs. There's, there's just a lot of things that, um, Mara does not appreciate about her niece. Um, and so the story, you know, they both make changes throughout the course of Vegan Virgin Valentine, but Guyaholic picks up, I believe it's a year or two later, it's after Vij graduates. And V, even though, you know, she changed in the course of the previous book, you know, she's still herself and she still, you know, makes bad choices. And a lot of things that happened while she was growing up with her mom have affected, you know, how she sees relationships and she just, she doesn't want to commit. She just like goes through guys. And, um, so this story, she's finally found a guy who, who really likes her and that she wants to like him, but something ends up upsetting her. And so she just, uh, you know, sabotages everything with him. And so he ends up leaving, goes off to college, um, and she just can't really deal with what she did. So her mother suggests, well, why don't you come and spend the summer with me? And this is after her mother has disappointed her over and over and over again. But as soon as her mom suggests this, she just jumps on it like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. And so it's this story just of this solo road trip that she takes um, and, you know, oh. figuring, figuring things out about herself and, like, why she does what she does with guys and how her relationship with her mother has really, like, made her make these choices and it's it's a really it's actually a, a short book. It's only just a little over two hundred. Well, it's two hundred and twenty eight pages. And um, I think that's, no, wait, I'm looking at the wrong one. Never mind. I actually don't have that one. I read at the library. It's shorter than two hundred and twenty eight pages. I can tell you that. But it's a short book. But it was for me just really really powerful because. It's 180 you know, pages. Okay. <laughs> she just—we're um, adding to our Goodreads right now. That's good <laughs> at this moment. But just the the realization she makes they are they they are small on the scope of things when you think of like the things that a character could go through. But just the way that she she changed and the way that it ended—I'm not going to tell you, of course, but. It was just was so, it was almost like the the way I feel about the endings that I wrote, like the way that it's like the character is just stepping in to something new, um, that they've, they've made their changes. And now like, this is the beginning of their rest of their life, you know, that whole thing, um. So, I just found it a really satisfying read, and I remember we were on a camping trip when I read it, and I just stayed in the tent reading, because that's what I do when I go on ships.
0: <laughs> read. I and think that like, is exactly what I would do if somebody tried to make me go camping. Um, <laughs> yes. If someone tried to make me go camping, I would actually... Well, I'd probably throw a
1: shit fit first. Throw but. <laughs> a <shit fit. laughs> I mean, I camped a lot as a child, and so I'm like... Camping PTSD. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate camping with like an intensity. So. My
2: friend was telling me that she, her someone gave her as a gift some post its and they have at the top of them, I love not camping. <laughs> 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 and I just thought those were perfect. But Good yeah, for so, me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I, read, I was reading this book in the tent and I just remember I was just, just so like, overwhelmed by this emotion just how it was so satisfying to see how she changed you know and having read the the previous book as well so I think that gives a good background of where she's coming from if you do read vegan Virgin Valentine first um, and I don't know I mean I have different tastes in books than a lot of people but I just every time I think of you know like when you guys even mentioned that topic of personal agency I thought of that character in that book and I wanted to talk about it. So.
0: She sounds like a really interesting character to read about because she sounds like somebody, and I think a lot of people do this, where they get really bogged down in their behavior. They're just like, oh, everyone thinks this way of me anyway, so I should just, why should I bother trying to change when it's not going to change how anybody else thinks of me? Or they're scared, so they just kind of stick with what they're doing because they're scared to try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And I feel really rewarded when I read characters that kind of, like, take that step. So I'm just, like, I'm so proud of them when they do I'm like, yay! Well, it's interesting. it's <laughs> an interesting
1: concept because it's really that idea of, like, being defined by what others think versus right. who you want to be or who you actually are. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, we read, in our book club, we read um, You Look Different in Real Life by Jennifer Castle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Like, that book really, I mean, that's the whole topic of that book is really looking at, like, how people are defined by external forces. Uh Uh-huh. And this group of five kids who've been, the premises they've been, um, and I highly recommend this book. I thought it was really. I liked it. it I liked it a lot. It was, like, kind of a a high concept sort of thing, and it could have gone really not, like, it could have been bad. But she handled it so, that concept so well, and these five kids have been subjects of like an up style documentary. And it's the first one was when they were five, five or six, and then uh, and then eleven, and, and then, then now 16. they're sixteen, and they're okay. It's the third documentary, and so in when they were little, when they were six and eleven, you know, this is something their parents signed them up for, and it's what they and they, their parents committed them to this yeah. life of being filmed, and they, the world sees each of these five kids as almost like characters, and they, in their own ways, have sort of lived up to being these characters that the world has decided they're at, and that they are, and the filmmakers have sort of cast them in these roles. And now they're 16, and they, you know, that's, so their parents sign them up for this thing, and now they're sort of semi-adults, and they have to decide if they're going to be, these people that they've been cast as by their parents and the filmmakers and sort of the world, or are they going to be whomever they want to be? And how do they, and like some of them, like one of the characters, like he is so into being a star of this next film.
0: Right. That it's
1: like, he's almost lost himself in that process. And, you know, the and ma- it's
0: also, though, that he's really hiding a really he's big, important thing. He's really hiding a secret. Thing, and uh, because he doesn't want the world to see him as this thing. Yeah, that he, he wants is, to be yeah. the character.
1: Right. And that's what he wants the world to see, is this character. And it's a really interesting, as these kids go through this journey, as the third film is being made, and trying to, be, you know, who are they going to be? And the the main the narrator, there's this really great scene where she realizes she's let the filmmakers see a bit of who she actually is. And she kind of has this, like, moment of freak out, like, oh, my God, I've been authentic. And <laughs> it's a really, like, it's, like, a, such an interesting, memorable moment. And, you know, she kind of figures out she has to dis- decide where this is. If, is she going to be this, like, who she is, or is she going to keep playing this role? Yeah. You know, what is she going to give the world of herself? It's, I really like that book. Yeah. Like, the more I think about it, the more I just think that she did some really interesting things with that story. And I thought it. it
0: was really fascinating in that book how these characters, the filmmakers, supposedly wanted to uh, have them be authentic and be themselves, but then when they were themselves, the filmmakers are like, okay, oh, this isn't It wasn't working. enough. We don't have a good story arc for this documentary, so you guys are all going to have to, like, go to this thing and act this way. This sort of artificially You know, and the filmmakers thing. are really frustrated because, like, these kids aren't living up to the characters that the filmmakers think that they should be or what the world has come to expect them to be. Yeah, uh, so it's really it's interesting. It's kind of like a big meta thing, like, <laughs> at the whims of all the, and of course there's the internet so these kids can read while all these people think of them online, like the whole world. Uh,
1: <laughs> I know, just <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: actually after
1: I read that book I was like, I am so glad the internet wasn't a thing when I was like 16.
0: I know. Yeah,
1: I just, I mean, <laughs> it was just, because these, these kids are defined by what the internet thinks of them, mm-hmm. and like but like because not just sort of in the sort of the big picture stuff but in like day to day like at school and yeah you know one girl is the angry girl and one girl is the weird girl and one is like you know the girl with the troubled family i mean it's just a very they're just one is the jock i mean there's right. just this very like heavily defined thing and then being able to figure out like how do i be me is sort of the big question in right. the book, and
0: is and they don't even really know what it is because I feel like they have been kind of influenced by what has yeah. happened to them so strongly they, that they don't even know. They're just like, eh, eh, maybe I am this person. That's how the world sees me. Yeah, like, like why should I think like that main, I am different from how what everybody else thinks of me? It doesn't know? even really matter. Yeah, I mean it's a
1: really interesting book in that respect, and I uh, and as Justine, the main character, sort of. Slowly takes control of the narrative,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, both sort of the like actual film narrative, but the narrative of her own life is like a really, I don't know, it's like kind of a triumphant thing. I mean, it has sort of a cheesy triumphant ending. It does, but but I like it. I know, I totally forgave it because like, man, like she earned it. (laughs) I like that too. She really, I mean, you're not, you can't say that the like cheesy triumphant ending wasn't well earned. Because it was, it was hard, and um, I think that's why that book, that premise, which could have been gimmicky and silly, worked so well for me, was seeing them look at how they're defined and decide to define themselves. It was, I,
0: don't
1: know, I like, I the more I think about that book, the more I like it.
0: I liked it a lot, too. Well,
2: and you you were saying how a lot of the books you wanted to discuss were YA and some were adult too, but I think that with teenagers that there's a lot more opportunity with that of, you know, how people see you and who you are because you don't know yet. Right. Um, And it can be, you know, now I'm 35 years old (laughs) and, um, you know back when i was 16 17 there was the whole thing of what people thought and even if i knew it what they weren't right um you know how do you actually take control and show them it's you
0: know yeah how do you or or stop caring.
1: those rules to right. um take control is a hard thing for teenage i think it's a hard thing for adults too yeah but um for teens I think it's harder obviously because there are a lot of decisions that they're they can't make or don't know how to make and you know the consequences oftentimes are bigger and scarier. Right. Um, just because that, you know, your world is more intense, um, you know, just because of the situation of, you know, school and living right. at home and all of those things. Sweet, um Amy Spalding and talked a bit about that on our um podcast, I think it was the last episode and Um, you know, she's saying, you know, in high school, like, if you make a decision, like, you have to deal with the consequences of those decisions, like, every day when you walk into school. Like, and that's really hard and scary, you know, so if you decide to go against what your friends think you should do, you have to deal with that when you sit down in, like, history class. Yeah. It's not like it's an adult where you make a decision that people don't like, you can kind of successfully avoid a lot of the, like, unpleasant consequences yeah. of those decisions in your day-to-day life because you can choose to not be around those people, but you yeah. don't have that choice when you're 16.
0: Like, my husband, when he was in high school, well, growing up, he was very athletic, and he had always played football, and he was, I mean, I think for his age, he was a good football player. He'd always played he was running back, and then... I think he played defense, too, because I think on a lot of teams in football in high school that you play both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, I think the summer before his sophomore year, he went to all the training camps and everything. And then school started, and he decided he didn't want to play football anymore. And he just didn't go to practice. And it was a big deal. (laughs) Like, there were, like, the whole football team, and all the coaches were just like, what's up, dude? Like, And he was just like, I just, I don't like it anymore. I don't want to be on the football team. And uh, But I think that's, like, a really big thing that he did. I feel like most people wouldn't do that at that age. No,
1: you just keep playing football. Like, you just keep playing football because that's
0: what people expect of you, and they don't, I think a lot of people have trouble understanding when people, because you don't see how people are changing on the inside. Mm-hmm. You just see the decision that they make, and it seems really sudden to these other people, but it's not to you, I think, mm-hmm. a lot of times. Well, that reminds
1: me of the Lucy Variations yes. by Sarah you Zar- Have you had a chance to read that, Mindy?
2: No, I have not.
1: That's a really interesting, I re- I really recently read it. Yeah. And I, you know, that's been, um. I like that book. People have been, not everyone has liked that book. And I understand why people don't like, like, yeah. I, I totally get why people, it doesn't resonate with people. But that's a really fascinating look at someone who walks away from something that they're good at, like makes that decision. Yeah. And the way everything Sort of unravels as a result. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you can talk about this book really
0: articulately, Laura. I can. Yes, you (laughs) have. We talked
1: about it. We talked about it extensively in like a previous podcast. That's true. Well, I mean, I (laughs) not to just like put you on the spot. I just. Yeah, I, I heard do. you,
2: Laura. You already did. Oh, I, think
0: you, I
2: think you really I feel
0: get... all this pressure now. <laughs> I
1: feel hot <laughs> and <in>
0: red. <laughs> I don't really get
1: where Lucy, the main character, is coming from in that book. Like... Uh,
0: Yeah, I think that I kind of grew up in a family, though not privileged the way that Lucy does. Lucy's family is extremely privileged. like Yeah,
1: like... Hospital boards and things. Old money San Francisco. Yeah. Uh,
0: and my family wasn't quite that way, but we're well off I would say and my parents had very particular expectations for us and it was a real challenge not living up to them Uh, because and especially I think when you're younger you feel really inadequate when you don't match up with what your parents want because so much of your life is about like Making your parents proud of you, or you know, doing what they want, and then you kind of. And I've always been pretty willful, but especially <laughs> I'm stunned <laughs> when I, I, I kind I'm of became a teenager stunned by this revelation. I know, but <laughs> like being young, the youngest in my family, and kind of seeing because I have an older sister and an older brother, and kind of seeing how they were kind of dealing with these expectations and. And it's not that they were unhappy with the decisions they made in their lives, but at the same time, it still didn't make my parents happy. So I think when I really saw that, that was a really big thing for me when I really understood that no matter what I did, I wouldn't be able to meet those expectations. And I feel that with Lucy, it was the same way in a lot of ways, where, because she's a champion piano player, she's a prodigy, and she plays competitively. And it it's like her grandfather and her mother are always pushing her to do more and to win the next big competition. They're just like, okay, on to the next step. Yeah, to be better. Be a better, win this next one. And it really takes a lot of the joy out of piano for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, But then she ends up making a decision to leave the competitive piano-playing world, and she has to figure out what she's going to do, because that's all she's ever done. Yeah,
1: there's been no other
0: path path. for her. Like, she, it's
1: really, she has no, like, she doesn't know how to be a friend. Like, she's kind of a terrible friend. Like, yeah, and it's not, I don't think she's, like, she's not an asshole. She just... Literally doesn't know how to be. Yeah, because her
0: lifestyle has been in, so different. Not only just from being privileged, but just from having a life that's yeah, so separate she, from all. She of hasn't been years. in
1: school. Yeah, she's been doing like tutoring because she's competing in piano all the time. She's just none of the things that people do when they're her age. She has done so. She's pretty inept in terms of sort of functioning in like a normal teenage world, and it's in her. I mean, the book is about a
0: lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of really interesting sort of heavy stuff in that book. But I think personal agency is one of the big themes in this. And how you learn how to exercise that and how you learn that maybe you're – I mean, everybody has certain obligations to their family, especially when you still live with them because, you know, you have to be able to live with these people. And so you can't just, like, maybe – You can't, like, crash a car into their house and have that be okay or something. You know what I mean? That's a really extreme example, but you have to – you do have obligations to your family, but at the same time, you have to figure out how to maintain an obligation to yourself, which seems really selfish, but I also feel like it makes things better for everybody, when you can kind of figure out this obligation to yourself and figure out how to express that in a way to these other people in your life. Um, and I think that's a big part of personal agency is just learning how to communicate, <laughs> <laughs> which is something that I've struggled with for a really long time, so. But, yeah. So that's how, kind of how I feel about that book. Yeah, I,
1: you know, that book just, it's one of those that's, like, I liked it when I was reading it, and the more I think about it, it's kind of, actually kind of like, you look different in real life in that respect, because the more I think about what Sarah Sarazar did with that character, mm-hmm. and, like, really stayed so true to Lucy... Like, it was never contrived. Right. Like, Lucy figuring out... Lucy didn't sort of have, ma- like, these sort of magical revelations about what she needed to be doing, or right. how to be, like, a better friend, or how to, you know... Play piano and not have all this pressure. Like, there were, like, those sort of magical moments. Like, she really, it's all about Lucy sort of figuring out where she kind of can wedge herself into a life that works for her. Right. And it's really hard. And I think that's why that book has stuck with me, because it's. It never seems easy.
0: Yeah. I think when you look at situations like that from the outside, you're like, oh, the prodigy crashed and burned figures, you know what I mean? And how we kind of look at a lot of, I don't know, young actors and actresses, you know, who kind of sometimes they burn out or they just kind of do, and you're just like, what's wrong with these people? You know what I mean? But these people are like trying to figure out things in their lives. I mean, I really believe that they are trying to do that, even though they sometimes act out in ways that I think are maybe not the most right. intelligent. <laughs> I mean, we all do that at some point in our lives and it's about kind of, I mean, a lot about personal agency is learning how to forgive yourself. Like kind of like what Seth was doing mm-hmm. where you've made mistakes. Like I have been an asshole many times in my life and That can really weigh people down sometimes. And it's kind of been about me being like, okay, I was an asshole. So my goal is not to be an (laughs) asshole in that way again. Okay, and that is how I will move on in my life. I can't just wallow in the fact that I was like this asshole this one time a decade ago. You know what I mean? Well, and with the Lucy variations, what I thought was really interesting that
1: Sarah Zarr did was she really looked at how this teen girls need to have personal agency in her life and have control of her own life directly com- con- was in direct conflict with what the adults in her life wanted from yeah. her. Yeah, and not just and the that, adults, but yeah. her brother, yeah, her, her brother younger too. brother who
0: means a lot to her. Um,
1: but that that tension I don't I think that's something that for teenagers there's often a really big tension with the adult like you don't want to let the adults down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet at some point you also have to allow – give yourself permission to be whatever it is you need to be.
0: Yeah. And – And I think it's interesting also that when there is an adult that isn't going against her, it's kind of an unhealthy thing for her. Yes. It ends up becoming where she just kind of latches on – And I I mean, and obviously that adult was doing unhealthy things as well. So it's it's interesting to me, like how, but I really appreciate how Sarah Tsar kind of had her learn and figure out what was going on as far as the adult's motives in her lives and kind of learning how to make the best decision for herself when she had all of these conflicting things coming at her.
1: Yeah, I I really... One of the best examples I can think of of a book that explores that, yeah. that tension, and it really, I think that's why it stuck with me, too. I think I wrote that in my, like, little blurby thing on Goodreads was that, like, man, this really, like, shows how adults aren't always looking yeah. out for the best interests of
0: the young people in their lives, yeah. even if they think they are. Yeah. You know? And then, like, have... I mean, I'm sure everybody's done this, but you guys have you ever had just a situation where you have to make a decision and you get all these different opinions from different people and nobody agrees with anybody else? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kinda of and you're like You're like not helpful people, I need consensus. I know not <laughs> just- the decision is actually up to you and dude that is fucking scary (laughs) is it not it's scary for me like especially when it first starts happening in your life where they're just like okay which college should I go to should I go to this one or this one and all these different people like my brother said one thing my sister said another thing my mom said one thing my dad said another thing and you're like what should I major in and they're just like everybody has a different opinion Mm-hmm. And so you could just kind of have to like pick, and you're like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, but it's, I, has, have you guys? Am, am I crazy? Yes. No, you're not crazy. Okay. I think that's actually a very normal experience. <laughs> but I still, that still happens to me as an adult sometimes, and I think, I think it's easy for people to just instead of just making that decision, it's to just kind of cower and just stick with the status quo. But sticking with the status quo is also a decision. You are actively deciding to stick with the path that you are on instead of choosing a different one. I don't know if that made any sense at all.
1: No, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah. Rather than letting, like, choosing to make things happen rather than letting things happen to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> am I? topic and <laughs> no! about <personal> agency. You <laughs> said, the nice thing is the nice thing I feel with, like Laura, I'm talking a lot today.
1: <laughs> the nice thing is Laura that um this is our podcast and we can talk about whatever we want. That's true. And people haven't complained yet. Boom. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, you know, I mean Well, I really liked what you said when you're talking about the Lucy variations about how you can, like the washed up prodigy and the, uh, when you think of the Hollywood, you know, the young stars of what they're going through and how it's easy to judge them. Mm -hmm. And I think even just with regular people in our lives, especially when we're in high school and someone behaves a certain way and you don't like it and you don't. You know, you don't know or you don't care why they did it. You just know you don't like it. And I think that's one thing that I really love about reading fiction is that you actually can get insight into why, you know, somebody that might be similar to someone you knew actually why they did that and, you know, have some empathy. Like a character like Seth, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that I know that I wouldn't have liked him in high school if I'd known him. And I knew guys like him that I wouldn't have wanted to spend time with them. And so, you know, to be able to explore that when you're when you're reading about a character and it it just gives you like this broader view of what that everybody's going through things and to understand, you know, what what brought them to that point. So
0: Yeah, I mean Seth is a bit of a punk. <laughs>
2: Why is anyone say about him? I get
0: so defensive about Seth. Like Mindy, want- when we had lunch that one time with your husband, and he was insulting Seth, and I got really mad at him. <laughs> he, was- and I, I still like have a grudge against Wayne for calling Seth a punk at the golf course. I'm really upset with
1: him. <laughs> I mean, but I think that's also why his story is so
0: memorable because it's like,
1: oh, he's this kid that, like, if you, you he's know, he's like, God, to, he's
0: such a, fuck I would just look at him, he's I went, he's to, drunk high, s- I went you know. to high school
1: with Seths, and I didn't really know any of the Seths, and like, yeah, that actually, you know, there's a story there, and yeah. that's, I think that's a, it's, it's an important story. It's, I, I. I don't know. I don't mean it as an insult when I call Seth a punk. At don't get mad at me, <laughs> well, Laura. And
2: Laura neither does my husband. I mean,
0: <laughs>
2: Dwayne he loves Seth and in a lot of ways, like Freefall was written for Dwayne because he is my first reader and he, you know, he critiques everything that I write, like every scene I give to him for his opinion. So he helped shape a lot of like the directions that Seth went and so he's he has his not as much, but you know he has a lot at stake, uh, <laughs> and with Seth as well. So yeah, so you don't have to have a grudge against him because okay, he loves yeah, Seth. That's to know. <laughs>
1: no, I, I, just wanted, I don't want Laura to be mad at me because I'm
0: not going to be. Mad I,
1: think, at you. I think Laura might be more protective of Seth than you are, Mindy.
2: <laughs> I am. I think. <laughs> no,
1: I kind of remember you telling me a story when. Mindy, when you tried to look up Seth on Facebook. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny because I totally get that because he seems
0: real. Yeah, Yeah. he totally. I'm like, I wonder wonder what he's up to. Yeah, he totally seems like somebody who could just be out there living his life. Yeah. You know, hopefully in a way that is good for him. You know what I mean? He really felt real to me.
2: And and to me too, and not totally in like a crazy way, but the, <laughs> I was I would think of like you know how the book has um, time and date stamps, and so it was like the date came along. Um, I had set the the dates for 2010, which was the year the book came out, and so as I'm going through my days, it'd be like, oh, this is the day that you know Seth's gonna lose his virginity or whatever. <laughs> happening you know the, everything in the book was like my future and then present time so it was really strange oh,
0: really weird. <laughs> yeah i think Seth also because i could talk about stuff like forever but he i find his character especially interesting i know i use the word interesting a lot i'm sorry but it's true in this case i but. do that too <laughs> it's a bad habit um his where he comes from in his life is so different from where I came from. Uh, because my parents had very high expectations for me, like, academically. Like, things like athletically, which did not work out because I suck at
2: sports.
0: <laughs> um, they tell telling the story about that. They really wanted me to be a good tennis player, which wasn't going to happen. Um, but with <laughs> Seth, his family... Like, his family thinks it's a good idea for him to try to take this chance and do a music tour and leave high school, and that idea was so foreign to me. I was like, "Yeah, (laughs) how can you have a family that encourages you to leave school? Like, I don't... What? Yeah. (laughs) But, like, you know, like, you read the story and you kind of understand where, like, his... And it's not that they think that this is what would be best for him, that they don't see value in him finishing school. Like, I mean, he's what is he, is he barely going to pass? How is he going to pay for college? Like, would he even get into college? You know what I mean? So I, I thought it was really interesting that he went against their expectations when their expectations were in some ways kind of low I don't yeah, know if that Yeah, or, like, makes sense. non-standard expectations. Yeah, or... but, the, yeah, I shouldn't say low, because that's not... Because I don't mean to say that everybody should have to go to college. Like, I think there is value in other paths in your life. Um, but they had expectations that I definitely think went against type, and he kind of decided to do this other path that he thought was better for himself. Um, and who knows? Like... Seth, if you're out there, you know, (laughs) how that worked out for you. Let me know. You know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) But I think it's also interesting that sometimes expectations can mean that you have to strive for more than what the people in your life think you should be striving for. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot, like, be kept down by what other people want to I don't know if that made sense. No, it does. It does.
1: Um, A couple of the books that we had on our list, um, one that Laura added was uh, sort of focused on somewhat on personal agency with regard to romantic relationships, and I'm thinking of Falling for You by Lisa
0: Schroeder that you uh, did. I love that book.
1: And there's a lot of really- Hi, Lisa. <laughs> there's a lot of really interesting, I mean, you put added it to the list, so-
0: Oh, so I have to talk again? Am I talking too much today? I feel no. like I'm, like, hogging the whole but podcast. But you know what? I kind of know. Maybe I should have just done this whole podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm oh, kidding. Oh, my
1: goodness. <laughs> Guys, this is... Man, Laura is sassy this morning. I am not a morning person, all right? I brought you coffee. I know. Imagine
0: if you hadn't. i just feel like, taking a nap. Um. Okay, so Falling for You by Lisa Schroeder. I think this is... A really good example of this personal agency thing mm-hmm. where the main character, Ray, uh, she has a really shitty family situation. Really bad. Really horrible. Like, her mom is barely hanging on. She has a stepfather who is... He has a pretty serious problem. Problem. And he's also abusive. Um, and this girl, Ray, is... They don't really have money yeah, they don't um, have money. And she's, like, determined to find a way to make her life better. To, you know, she works really hard at school. She has a job to try to save money for herself so that she can go to college and af- afford to live. And um, So she ends, can have choices in her life. Yeah. She ends up getting involved in with a boy who ends up not being the best boy for so her. So, this book has one of the like least appropriate
1: covers in the history of books and the description also doesn't make any sense so like (laughs) if you happen to like be in a bookstore or on goodreads or amazon or what have you and you see the cover and you see the book it has nothing to do with the actual book yes so laura's summary makes a whole lot more sense (laughs) so i just had to throw that out
0: there yeah so ray i think it's a really good example of personal agency um and and in a way that's kind of similar to Seth because her mom basically has no expectations for her I don't think like no I mean her mom can not even really take care of herself much less her teenage daughter and Ray basically has to take care of herself Mm -hmm. and cook dinner for her horrible stepfather who I mean, and I know it's kind of a cliche to have, like, a bad, abusive stepfather, but I think the way that Lisa Schroeder made his character, uh, it it worked for me. Well,
1: and there's also a... As the book unfolds, you figure out some of the whys behind Mm -hmm. the stepfather and his sort of, like, desperation and anger, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he has... He's not sort of a, like, cartoonish... Yeah. Bad guy. There's there's real problems, and he is yeah. getting yeah. And it's to an issue I it.
0: hadn't ever seen covered
1: in YA I before either. And so. so she starts seeing this boy who's sort of on paper very you know charismatic and attractive, and yeah. he you know I really, can't believe
0: this cute boy likes me. Yeah, and he thing. really
1: dotes on her, and but then as the relationship progresses, you start to see that it's it's actually unhealthy and toxic and um, obsessive and she doesn't um, this sort of she realizes that it's not a good place for her to be in but at the same time everyone else is like oh you're so lucky Yeah. So Or you're just
0: like a lot of times you're that age, you're like, Yeah, you have a boyfriend. She's
1: also kinda like she doesn't know if this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, is she weird because she thinks that like him sort of always being around is is bad? Yeah. You know, that she wants her own space in her own life. Like is there something wrong with her? So this sort of internal Yeah. uh, Trying to figure it out thing with Lisa Handled incredibly well. Yeah. I and very realistically. Too. Because I, I think, think
0: some people have really tried to paint this as an issue book which is not something that I agree with. No. I would say it's not an issue book. Um, it's it's a
1: sort of I don't know. I, I don't it's know. It's a story really. about personal agency. It, it is really I... because like <laughs> as Ray goes through her you know her journey in this story she's trying to figure out how to sort of stay true to this path that she Mm -hmm. has set out for herself and where does this boy fit in and, you know, how, you know, how can she navigate this stuff with her family and all of that stuff that she's trying to figure out. Ray is a really brave
0: character in a lot of ways. And I like how Lisa Schroeder doesn't make it easy for her because it's not easy for people, but it's not easy for people. Like you don't just like decide to make your life better and then, it's really easy, and you come out all sunshine and roses at the end. That's not how it works. No. Like, Ray has to work through a lot of things internally and deal with all these shitty external forces around her in order to. She has to build things for herself, and building is hard, hard work, you know, and it's really easy to get it wrong. Right, so. and even
1: with regard to the boy who's not a good relationship, like, she doesn't. She did. De- she doesn't want to hurt him. Right. Like, she's, Ray is, a, like, at her core, a really good person. And that tension between, like, not wanting to be, like, mean and wanting to do what's right for herself is, uh, is also really interesting.
2: I've had that falling for you. I have it, and I just really need to read it for sure. It's
0: not a very short, it's a pretty short book. Yeah, I want it's to not say. very I long. I don't remember but she really packs a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the,
1: um, a lot of it is um, also raised poems, and so it looks like a bigger book than it is. <laughs>
2: oh, interesting!
1: <laughs> so it's like kind of thick, but it's actually like the actual. It's it's a fast read, and Lisa does that a lot in her books in general. Is mm-hmm. um, her characters are generally trying to figure out like how to push through these crappy yeah, and things be true to themselves lives. and figure out what they want and. How to make those things happen. I mean, Yeah. And she actually,
0: I think she tweeted about that very same thing just yesterday. Oh, did she? (laughs) I feel like I want to look it up now. Um, um, Because
1: the day before, I mean, it's all about um, the two main characters in that book are, they have these, like, really crappy things that they're having to deal with the next day. And, man. Yeah. How do you do that yeah
0: like how do you get through these things that are so hard like sometimes it sometimes it just feels easier to not do anything yeah well, even I mean, though like you, you're not happy with how it is but it's it feels too hard to try to change it like you're just like how how do i even start and it starts with a small decision
1: well, you know and I think I, think. I mean honestly that's probably why Lisa writes some of my favorite books for teens because I think those things are really
0: important. And more to, intensified.
1: Yeah, to <laughs> I mean I those sorts of that kind of book would have really resonated with me when I was that age and so mm-hmm. I think that's why I really appreciate what she's um what she tackles in her novels. Yeah.
0: Okay, I found it. Okay, so yesterday Lisa Schroeder said on Twitter, I write about teens going through tough stuff and coming out the other side okay so I can show others it's possible. Because it is.
1: All right. Which Lisa, basically
2: covers
0: basically, what we were just yeah, talking so about. Yeah, so we just spent, like, an hour <laughs> in in <like> 140 <laughs> characters. Yeah. <laughs> that she managed to do something in 140 characters. that you we know, <laughs> just spent, like, 20 minutes talking about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: guys it's sarah um we actually had over two hours of audio with mindy and that's even after i cut out um quite a bit so this is going to be a two-part episode so check back in a few days and we will have the other part of our discussion with mindy scott thanks so much thanks for listening to the clear eyes full shelves podcast be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com, or on Twitter, at Full Shelves, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, clear eyes, full shelves, can't lose.